Section six of the Secret House by Edgar Wallace. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Don W. Jenkins. Chapter six. At precisely ten o'clock, as the curtain came reefing slowly down upon the first act of The Strand Girl, Lady Dinsmore turned with outstretched hand to greet the first of the two men who had just entered the box. My dear Count, she exclaimed i am disappointed in you here i have been paying you really quite tremendous compliments to these young people i presume you are on gregory's business i am desolated count poltavo had a way of looking at one gravely with an air of concentrated attention as if he were seeing through the words into the very soul of the speaker he was indeed a wonderful listener and this quality added to a certain buoyancy of temperament accounted perhaps for his popularity in such society as he had been able to penetrate before i ask you to name the crime lady dinsmore he said permit me to offer my humblest apologies for my lateness lady dinsmore shook her head at him and glanced at farrington but that dour man had drawn a chair to the edge of the box and was staring moodily down into the great auditorium you are an incorrigible she declared but sit down and make your excuses at your leisure you know my niece and i think you have met mr doughton he is one of our future leaders of thought the count bowed and sank into a chair beside his hostess frank after a frigidly polite acknowledgment resumed his conversation with doris and lady dinsmore turned to her companion now for the explanation she exclaimed briskly i shall not let you off unpunctuality is a crime and your punishment shall be to confess its cause count poltavo bent toward her with bright smiling eyes a very stupid and foolish business engagement he replied which required my personal attendance and unfortunately that of mr farrington lady dinsmore threw up a protesting hand business has no charms to soothe my savage breast mr farrington she lowered her voice confidentially can think of nothing else when he was staying with us he was for ever telegraphing cabling to america or decoding messages there was no peace in the house by day or by night finally i made a stand gregory i said you shall not pervert my servants with your odious tips and turn my home into a public stock exchange take your bulls and bears over to the savoy and play with them there and leave doris to me and he did she concluded triumphantly count poltavo looked about as if noting for the first time farrington's preoccupation is he quite well he inquired in an undertone lady dinsmore shrugged her shoulders frankly i think he had a slight indisposition and magnified it in order to escape small talk he hates music doris has been quite distraught ever since the child adores her uncle you know of course that she is his niece the daughter of my sister gregory was her father's brother we are almost related her companion glanced across to the subject of their remarks the girl sat in the front of the box slim and elegant her hands clasped loosely in her lap she was watching the brilliant scene with a certain air of detachment as if thinking of other things her usual lightness and gay banter seemed for the moment to have deserted her leaving a soft brooding wistfulness that was strangely appealing the count looked at her she is very beautiful he murmured under his breath 
something in his voice caught lady dinsmore's attention she eyed him keenly the count met her look frankly is is she engaged to her young friend he asked quietly believe me it is not vulgar curiosity which prompts the question i i am interested his voice was as composed as ever lady dinsmore averted her gaze hurriedly and thought with lightning rapidity i have not her confidence she replied at length in a low tone she is a wise young woman and keeps her own counsel she appeared to hesitate she dislikes you she said i am sorry to wound you but it is no secret count poltavo nodded i know he said simply will you be my good friend and tell me why lady dinsmore smiled i will do better than that she said kindly i will be your very good friend and give you a chance to ask her why frank she bent forward and tapped the young man upon the shoulder with her fan will you come over here and tell me what your editor means the count resigned his seat courteously and took the vacant place beside the girl a silence fell between them which presently the man broke miss gray he began seriously your aunt kindly gave me this opportunity to ask you a question have i your permission also the girl arched her eyebrows her lip curled ever so slightly a question to which you and my aunt patricia could find no answer between you it must be subtle indeed how can i hope to succeed he ignored her sarcasm because it concerns yourself ah she drew herself up and regarded him with sparkling eyes one small foot began to tap the floor ominously then she broke into a vexed little laugh i am no match for you at the foils count i admit it freely i should have learned by this time that you never say what you mean or mean what you say forgive me miss gray if i say that you mistake me utterly i mean always what i say most of all to you but to say all that i mean to put into speech all that one hopes or dreams or dares his voice dropped to a whisper to turn oneself inside out like an empty pocket to the gaze of the multitude that is imbecile he threw out his hands with an expressive gesture but to speak concretely i have unhappily offended you miss gray something i have done or left undone or my unfortunate personality does not engage your interest is it not true there was no mistaking his sincerity now but the girl still held aloof her blue eyes cool and watchful for the moment her face in its young hardness bore a curious resemblance to her uncle's is that your question she demanded the count bowed silently then i will tell you she spoke in a low voice surcharged with emotion i will give you candour for candour and make an end of all this make-believe that he murmured is what i most desire doris continued heedless of the interruption it is true that i dislike you i am glad to be able to tell you as much openly and yet perhaps i should use another word i dislike your secrecy something dark and hidden within you and i fear your influence over my uncle you have known me less than a fortnight mr farrington less than a week yet you have made what i can only conceive to be impertinent proposals of marriage to me to-day you were for three hours with my uncle i can only guess what your business has been you would probably guess wrong he said coolly farrington at the other end of the box shot a swift suspicious glance across poltavo turned to the girl again i want only to be a friend of yours in the day of your need he said in a low voice believe me that day is not far distant that is true she leaned toward him a little troubled 
he bowed his head in assent if i could believe you she faltered i need a friend oh if you could know how i have been torn by doubts beset by fears oppressions her voice quivered there is something wrong somewhere i can't tell you everything if you would help me wait may i test you with a question a thousand if you like and you will answer truthfully in her eagerness she was like a child he smiled if i answer at all be sure it will be truthful tell me then is dr fall your friend he is my dearest enemy he returned promptly he had only the dimmest notion as to the identity of dr fall but it seemed that a lie was demanded poltavo could lie very easily or mr gorth she asked and he shook his head she drew a deep breath of relief and my uncle the question was a whisper she appeared to hang upon his reply the count hesitated i do not know he admitted finally if he were not influenced by dr fall i believe he would be my friend it was a bow at a venture he was following the bent of her inclination for the first time that evening doris looked at him with interest may i ask how your uncle came to know gorth he asked the question with the assurance of one who knew all that was to be known save on this point she hesitated a while i don't quite know the doctor we have always known he lives in the country and we only see him occasionally he is she hesitated and then went on rapidly i think he has rather dreadful work he is in charge of a lunatic poltavo was interested please go on he said the girl smiled i am afraid you are an awful gossip she rallied but became more serious i don't like him very much but uncle says that is my prejudice he is one of those quiet sure men who say very little and make one feel rather foolish don't you know that feeling it is as though one were dancing the tango in front of the sphinx poltavo showed his white teeth in a smile i have yet to have that experience he said she nodded one of these days you will meet dr fall and you will know how helpless one can feel in his presence a remarkable prophecy which was recalled by poltavo at a moment when he was powerless to profit by the warning mr gorth again she hesitated and shrugged her shoulders well she said frankly he is just a common man he looks almost like a criminal to my mind but apparently he has been a loyal servant to uncle for many years tell me asked poltavo on what terms is dr fall with your uncle on terms of equality she nodded naturally she said with a look of surprise he is a gentleman and is i believe fairly well off and gorth asked poltavo he was interested for many reasons as one who had to take the place of that silent figure which laid in the fog-shrouded house i hardly know how to describe uncle's relations with gorth she answered a little puzzled there was a time when they were on terms of perfect equality but sometimes uncle would be very angry with him indeed he was a rather horrid man really do you know a paper called gossip's corner she asked suddenly poltavo had heard of the journal and had found a certain malicious joy in reading its scandalous paragraphs well she said in answer to his nod that was mr gorth's idea of literature uncle would never have the paper in his house but whenever you saw mr gorth he invariably waited for uncle in the kitchen you would be sure to find him chuckling over some of the horrid things which that paper published uncle used to get more angry about this than anything else mr gorth took a delight in all the unpleasant things which this wretched little paper printed i have heard it said that he had something to do with its publication but when i spoke to uncle about it he was rather cross with me for thinking such a thing 
poltavo was conscious that the eyes of farrington were searching his face narrowly and out of the corner of his eye he noted the obvious disapproval he turned round carelessly an admirable sight a london theatre crowd very said the millionaire dryly celebrities on every hand montague fallock for instance is here farrington nodded and that wise-looking young man in the very end seat of the fourth row he is in the shadow but you may see him t b smith said farrington shortly i have seen him i have seen everybody but but the occupant of the royal box she keeps in the shadow all the time she is not a detective too i suppose he asked sarcastically he looked round frank doughton his niece and lady dinsmore were engrossed in conversation poltavo he said dropping his voice i want to know who that woman is in the opposite box i have a reason the orchestra was playing a soft intermezzo and of a sudden the lights went down in the house hushed to silence as the curtain went slowly up upon the second act there was a shifting of chairs to distribute the view a tense moment of silence as the chorus came down a rocky defile then a white pencil of flame shot out from the royal box and a sharp crash of a pistol report my god gasped mr farrington and staggered back there was a loud babble of voices a stentorian voice from the back of the stalls shouted house lights quick the curtain fell as the house was bathed in the sudden glare of lights t b saw the flash and leapt for the side aisle two steps and he was at the door which led to the royal box it was empty he passed quickly through the retiring room empty also but the private entrance giving on to the street was open and the fog was drifting through in great wreaths he stepped out into the street and blew a shrill whistle instantly from the gloom came a plain-clothes policeman no he had seen nobody pass t b went back to the theatre raced round to the box opposite and found it in confusion where is mr farrington he asked quickly he addressed his remark to poltavo he is gone said the other with a shrug he was here when the pistol was fired at this box my friend as the bullet will testify he pointed to the mark on the enameled panel behind when the lights came he had gone that is all it can't have gone said t b shortly the theatre is surrounded i have a warrant for his arrest a cry from the girl stopped him she was white and shaking arrest she gasped on what charge on a charge of being concerned with one gorth in burglary at the docks and with an attempted murder gorth cried the girl vehemently if any man is guilty it is gorth that evil man speak softly of the dead said t b gently mr gorth as i have every reason to believe received wounds from which he died perhaps you can enlighten me poltavo but the count could only spread deprecating hands t b went out into the corridor there was an emergency exit to the street but the door was closed on the floor he found a glove on the door itself the print of a bloody hand but there was no sign of farrington end of chapter six read by don w jenkins rancho san diego california shaggybark.blogspot.com